Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roll, roll in the river of time. You've healed me in too many days. No regrets, no Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. Sadie, can I just say to you, Merry Christmas. Oh, wait, Happy Holiday. Which one is it? <laughs> um, we are going to talk about how really all of it is fine. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, all of that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It is, is it the sixth or the seventh night of Hanukkah tonight? I don't know. I can't remember. It's the 13th, so whichever day that is, that's the day that we're recording this. But it is during Hanukkah, so Sadie wishing me a happy Hanukkah is appropriate. And I'm wishing Sadie a Merry Christmas, even though it isn't Christmas yet. It is the festive season. It is the festive season, also known as Christian Pride Month. (laughs) Indeed. We thought, with it being this time of joy and giving, it might be a fun time to talk about the war on Christmas. This is what I would call a lately researched episode. It's not the deep dive that, it's not a deep dive to the level that we usually get to, but we do have some stories, some research to share. I think this one's going to be fun. Before we get into that, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter and her life in and her escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of our show, then you can do some things to help us out. You can join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. And on our 
our Patreon, there is an extended and uncensored and ad-free version of most of our episodes. So if you just can't get enough of us and you want the dumb things that we say that are maybe not totally related to the subject of the episode that is all available on the patreon you can join our subreddit and our facebook group both of those are called eden exodus both of those are a great place for community especially you know around this holiday season i know a lot of people are struggling because maybe they've left a religious family a fundamentalist family and they can't really go back or they don't really want to go back for the holidays because it's just like emotionally kind of fraught so it's been really nice to see people in our Facebook group giving each other support uh, when they need it and, and in ways that they need it. And that's really lovely. Yeah, I, I love our Facebook group so much. I really do. I, I mean, I do as well. It's excellent. We have holiday merch available that is on our Threadless shop. You can find the link to that in the description. That is, um, there's a design for the war on Christmas and there's a design for about like with a Christmas tree, it says paganism. It's like Christmas sweater style. And those are available now on our uh, Threadless shop. So you can find them there. I think that's it. I think we just have to thank the patrons. Is anything else you want to say? No, let's thank our patrons and get into it. Okay, so we have four. I gave it all to your patrons. Your names are Kathleen Moncrief, Melora King, Melissa Mosley, and Todd Dale on behalf of his lovely Deconstruct Arena of a wife, Madeline Antrim. Thank you guys so much for supporting our show. It's truly unbelievable that you guys support us in the way that you do. Uh, I just can't believe it. Yeah, huge thank you to the I gave it all tier patrons and our faith promise mission tier patrons your names are alex p ali allen i'm israel high autumn of our discontent Brittany, chrisa walker dan the trans man dora j eleanor donahue hannah ross hannah montana hoosier x fundy hope norum horton here's a shane janine collin jen kaharski jessica tambo jonna Kat Henwood, Kay Turwee, Kristen Marie, Learned Vixen, Leaving Eden's Christmas Ho Ho Ho, aka Morgan, Sadie's actual BFF. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arndt, Melissa G., Rob the Methodist, Chartuterie, Stephanie Johnson, Steve and Amy, Susie, Tara McNamara, and as always, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to our Faith Promise Missions tier of our Patreon. Absolutely. Huge thank you to, of course, our of course our I Gave It All tier and Faith Promise Missions tier patrons, but to everybody who supports us over on Patreon, to people who support us in non-financial ways like subscribing on your podcast app, sharing us with family and friends, sharing us on social media, participating in our Facebook groups and our social media. All of those are ways that our listeners contribute to the show. We have our platform because of our audience and we are so thankful. All right, Sadie, let's talk about the war on Christmas. What is the war on Christmas? So the war on Christmas refers to Christians thinking that they are persecuted by other people having different religious or secular holiday traditions than they do. 
some Christians perceive anything from a retail employee saying happy holidays to a Starbucks cup design they don't like as an attempt to erase the Christian celebration of Christmas or secularize Christmas. And in extreme cases, they extrapolate that this war on Christmas is an early sign of an attempt to remove Christianity from public life and public consciousness and eventually ban Christianity completely in the lead up to the Great Tribulation. But Sadie, I thought that the Great Tribulation wouldn't occur until after the rapture, and you're still here, so obviously the rapture hasn't happened yet. Sure, but most rapture believers believe that the persecution of Christians will start before the actual rapture happens, and then it just gets super worse during the tribulation. There's also people who believe in mid-trib rapture or post-tribulation rapture. Um, Stephen Anderson, notably mid-tribulation rapture guy. So he and people who believe like him believe that three and a half years of the tribulation occurs, and then the rapture happens in the middle, and then there's another three and a half years of tribulation after the rapture. So lots of different ways to to look at it. This also gets tied in to manifest destiny and the belief that while separation of church and state is enshrined in the Constitution of the United States, that America is predominantly primarily a Christian nation and that Christian holidays are and should be the default. This can lead certain Christians, whether they're looking at it from a Christian nationalism standpoint or a tribulation is coming standpoint, it can lead people to believe, to interpret anything that they perceive as the smallest slight against their beliefs as persecution. And it's the beginning of the slide into Christianity becoming illegal and Christians being killed for the faith on a global level. You know, they say that God always gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. (laughs) Right. So, in out here in the world of reality, uh, the Christmas holiday has become more secularized over time. It's morphed into being both a secular and a religious holiday rather than a purely religious one, especially in America. It takes on the character of being a true national holiday, which many people celebrate regardless of whether they're Christian or not. I found some statistics in an article from. CNN about the Starbucks red cup controversy, which we are going to get to, that said that 90% of American adults celebrate Christmas in general. Only 55% of American adults celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday. So what do you mean by that? Like by religion, like do they go to church or do they? No, just like see it as a religious thing. Okay. Many Americans celebrate Christmas in a way that is either completely non-religious, completely secular, or a mix between religious and secular, which is how I think I see Christmas. I see it as, oh, it's a religious holiday, but also there's all of this other stuff that is not religious that I celebrate and enjoy. And even just from like a logistical perspective. If you're going to be taking time off, then you get the most out of your PTO. If you have a job that gives you PTO, you get the most out of your PTO if you take time off around a holiday weekend. I think that a lot of people who celebrate Christmas as a secular holiday are not particularly upset by its religious origins because it's become so much a part of 
American culture. So it's true that the holiday has become secularized. It's true that we've, uh, as a society, made some steps to recognize other religious holidays and secular holidays in the winter alongside Christmas as a part of this national festive winter season. What we're talking about today is the specific outrage and hysteria around the partial secularization of Christmas and the slightest recognition of other holidays. Yeah, so this is the plot of the Hebrew Hammer movie. Exactly. That's why that movie was so great. So I think retail employees and former retail employees have a special disdain for much of this war on Christmas controversy. Uh, And I speak from personal experience about this because like when I was 21, 22, I was working at the Guitar Center in Kaiser, Oregon. And I worked there for like two consecutive holiday seasons. I worked there for 2014, 2015. And 2015, I think, was the year of the Starbucks Cup Red Cup fiasco scandal thing. Correct. Also, Kaiser, Oregon is... I should add, it's like a suburb of Salem, Oregon, and it's kind of a conservative area. People really seem to have a bone to pick over whether or not I wish people Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Like People had really strong feelings about this, which is interesting. Now, Guitar Center, the company that I was working for, is obviously not a Christian company, but a lot of people who shop at Guitar Center are Christians, especially people who buy equipment for their worship bands. And it sort of became this weird thing where like, if you were a Christian, you would sell more gear and make more money because you could like save a shibboleth to get like church people to buy from you. And then you'd make that commission. And like, I had one coworker who was very Christian and he would do like $20,000 deals every few months. And it was just be like, you know, like a church would need a whole new PA system, a new board, a new like snake, a new power condition all like the whole nine yards and i also had co-workers who played in worship bands and they'd all get their buddies and all of the other people who played in their worship band worship collectives or whatever to come in and get gear from them and it was like their bread and butter during the holiday season of 2015 i was i remember really specifically that i was checking this one lady out i'd been at work for probably about 12 hours and i think I must have said happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas to her. And she berated me in front of my boss for saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. And she said that it was my fault that the country was going to hell like that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's a very typical experience of a retail worker during the war on Christmas. Today, we're going to talk about where this war on Christmas comes from. And also some other stuff. So I totally thought that when I Googled who started the war on Christmas, I would find something about Anita Bryant. Like all of my mental predictions were like, this is going to be, this is going to involve Anita Bryant. This is at least going to involve the 1970s in general, like some televangelist or like Billy Graham or somebody like that's, that's where Jerry, like early Jerry Falwell, that's where my brain went. I was so sure that was what I was going to find. And I was so surprised because the outrage over things like saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas and Starbucks cups not being Christian enough is way more modern than I thought. I did not find anything further back than about 1997 
And the war on Christmas did not take off in America until around the year 2000. And I just couldn't, I thought maybe I'm missing something. So I mentioned it to Jonathan because he's a few years older. He remembers the year 2000 a lot better than I do. And he confirmed what I had found. I was completely blown away. I knew that this war on Christmas was a modern phenomenon, but I was thinking like 50 or 60 years ago, not literally 20 years ago, 23 years ago. That's crazy to me as well, because this feels like the kind of thing that Phyllis Schlafly would have been talking out about in like 1982. Yes. I was I cannot express how surprised I was by this. If you think about it and what was going around like on in the culture at the time, it does make a ton of sense why this would become a thing in the late 1990s. And I did some research into this. The, so the term politically correct was coined on October 6, 1990 by New York Times columnist Richard Bernstein. Also, the 1990s was an era when AP style was making changes to terms like, you know, to denote different ethnic groups, different religious groups. There was a lot of focus going on around this time that they were trying to create a, a greater culture of inclusivity, especially, you know, following the fall of the Soviet Union, there was very much like a hope for, yeah, we could have world peace. Let's make a, a very welcoming environment for everybody. Oh boy. Why can't I, why didn't I get to live through that side of the nineties? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it's really, it's really f***ed up, man, because I was raised in an apocalyptic doomsday cult for the first 20 years of my life. and got out like after the Great Recession, still during the war on terror. There was never a time in my life when I got to taste the hope of world peace. And there never will be. I just I just think I just think that's mean because everybody else my age at least got like a few years as a kid where that was a thing in their life. Like I, I'm thinking about this. I think that once the threat of nuclear war and like everybody dying in a nuclear war kind of passes, then people who had been obsessed with doomsday and being like the rapture's coming, everybody's going to die. Those people are kind of like, well, don't need this anymore. Like they're, you know, with their, <laughs> with their like crazy religious beliefs. They're like, hmm, maybe that was a whole, like a, a, a little bit extra. Um, <laughs> But like in, in the 90s, it does make sense that culturally at that time when they're trying to create like that was really when the culture of inclusivity was sort of becoming more mainstream. So a change to Happy Holidays from Merry Christmas would have been a thing that would have been taking hold throughout the 1990s. But also that's the kind of thing that would generate a response. Yeah, and it generated quite a response. So the war on Christmas may be a lot newer than I thought it was. We're going to talk about how it came to be, but before there was ever a war on Christmas, there were some other Christmas-related controversies. So if you could put a pin in politically correct, because we're going to get there, it turns out there's some other things to cover first. In my research, I was reminded that Christians 
have been fighting about what date Jesus was born on pretty much since it happened. And we have been fighting about whether we should celebrate Christmas and how we should celebrate Christmas for at least 500 years, but probably longer than that. Let's talk about when Jesus was actually born because I learned new information about this. A lot of people have a lot of theories about when Jesus may have been born. My dad had a theory that he was born on April 1st, and I cannot for the life of me remember why he thought that or all of the parts of his theory, but I remember it had something to do with thinking the Romans wouldn't call for a census in the middle of winter. Does this mean that Mary telling Joseph she was pregnant from God is the first April Fool's joke? Well, probably not, because if you give birth on April 1st, you're probably going to find out you're pregnant in, like, July. (laughs) (laughs) It did have something to do with, like, the rapture and April Fool's. I wish I could remember it all. But I was able to turn up something I have never seen before, which is pretty decent scriptural evidence for Jesus being born at least somewhere kind of close to Christmas, December 25th, which I had never seen before. because. For all of the IFB-loving numerology, apparently they weren't into this one. I don't know. That's fascinating. So here's where it comes from. We it, It's all based on the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, cliff notes for never Christians. Jesus was six months younger than his maternal cousin, John the Baptist. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, were closely related, when Mary found out that she was pregnant with Jesus, she went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who was also pregnant. Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, had been infertile, had not been able to conceive, and now they were fairly old beyond normal childbearing years. Zechariah was a priest, and one day he was serving in the temple when he was notified by an angel that he was going to have a son, that John was going to be born. And then Zechariah didn't believe it. The angel struck him mute for a while. Um, It's a whole thing. So we know that Zechariah was serving in the temple when he was notified that his son was going to be born. And we know that Jesus was six months younger than his cousin John. And that's where it gets interesting. The text about Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 states that the whole multitude of the people were present outside the temple as Zechariah was performing his priestly duties. The fact that everyone was there, it specifies the whole multitude of the people, might indicate that Zechariah was serving in the temple on the Day of Atonement or sometime during the the High Holidays, which typically takes place sometime between the middle of September and the middle of October on the Gregorian calendar. To confirm this, some people, and they were messianic, so I don't put a whole lot of stock into this, but some people have done math with the weeks of the year and the rules about which family of the priestly line serves in the temple during which weeks. During which weeks. So there were um, 26 lines like family lines of priests. So everybody had two weeks a year in which serving in the temple would be their responsibility. And this all comes from like Leviticus. The uh, So Zechariah's line is the line of Aviah and 
one of his two scheduled times to serve in the temple would have been the 35th week of the year, which does line up really well with like middle of September to middle of October on the Gregorian calendar. So if John the Baptist was conceived around that time, middle of September to middle of October, and if Jesus was six months younger than John the Baptist, the traditional date of the Annunciation being March 25th actually seems really reasonable. Of course, due dates are not always exactly nine months to the day from the day that somebody was conceived. And also, babies aren't always born on their due dates, or even often born on their due dates. So it wouldn't necessarily mean that Jesus was born exactly on December 25th, but it does mean that a late December birthday totally lines up with not one, but two pieces of scriptural evidence. But I was told my whole life that there was absolutely zero evidence for Jesus actually being born on December 25th. So I was, I thought this was really cool. I was very surprised that, yeah, there is a little bit of scriptural evidence to support a late December birthday for Jesus. I think it's interesting that the IFB told you that there was no evidence that he was born in December. I know. I, that's that's wild to me. Out of all the things that they have tried to like nitpick the details and tease out of the Bible, this is one that they never bothered to check. I don't know why they wouldn't think that, well, this is when they celebrated it in 1611 during the reign of King James. Let's do Homer Simpson math on a chalkboard to try to figure out when the rapture is coming, even though scripture tells us that nobody will know when the rapture is coming. And, but not try to figure out when Jesus was born. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it would be much easier to figure out when Jesus was born because that's a thing that allegedly happened. So I should note, St. Augustine of Hippo said that he believed that Jesus was born on December 21st because that's the solstice and it represents light coming back into the world, which is, I don't know, a nice thought. Pleasant. We've probably all heard the theory that very early Christians decided to celebrate Jesus's birth on December 25th when they actually had no idea when he was born to coincide with the Roman Sol Invicta celebrations. The theory is that Christian Christianity wasn't popular or accepted and sometimes was persecuted in Rome. And if they moved their Christmas celebration to a time that the Romans were also having a huge festival, well, all the Romans are drunk and festivaling, and we can celebrate our Christ Christian holiday without being persecuted because nobody will notice that we're celebrating something different. This theory is supported mm -hmm. by a lot of modern Christian tradition, or a lot of modern Christmas traditions that do line up with Roman and or pagan winter celebration, Sol Invicto, whatever um, traditions. Things like bringing a pine tree inside, burning a Yule log, red and green decorations. But I was really interested to learn that there are actually other theories. There's Because this is the only one I have ever heard from non-Christians. Like, oh, Christians didn't even know when Jesus's birthday was, so they just moved it to this Roman holiday and then stole a bunch of Roman holiday traditions. I, I don't know that that theory is wrong, but the counter theory is that the Roman solstice holiday was begun in order to compete with the growing popularity of the Christian Christmas celebration. 
That's interesting. And that's like like a real scholarly theory, not just Christians are saying. See, I grew up hearing the Portland liberal uh, religion is dumb theory that, oh, the Pope moved Christmas to December 25th in order to take attention away from the solstice or something, which is what I had people say, which... I mean, if you, I actually did try to look into this and found zero evidence of this other than like that being a common idea that is held by Reddit atheists. So the Reddit atheists are, are totally correct in pointing out that there are a lot of ways that pagan celebrations have influenced Christmas. Like pine trees, mistletoes, red and green, burning logs, Santa flying through the skies, the stockings, specific Christmas foods, the list goes on and on and on. Anything that you personally like to do at Christmas time is like 90% likely a pagan tradition originally. However, Christmas was originally a pagan holiday that was co-opted by Christians is not the only theory out there. So that was also new information to me. So Christians as a whole kind of either decided that Jesus was born on December 25th or they decided that he probably wasn't, but we should celebrate it sometime and it's as good of a day as any. And everyone temporarily moved on with their lives. And once we were done fighting about when Jesus was born and when to celebrate Christmas, it was time for us all to fight about all of the possible ways to celebrate Christmas and which ones were okay and which ones were not. It is also worth noting that not all Christian denominations celebrate Christmas on the same day. The Eastern Orthodox Church, for example, celebrates celebrates Christmas two weeks after the rest of the world on January 7th. Yeah, and I think what's important to note as we take this leisurely stroll through Christmas controversies is that the Orthodox Church doesn't seem to treat this as a big deal. Their vibe is, is very much well, we're right, you're wrong, we celebrate it on a different day, but good for you for celebrating Jesus. It's it's not the massive, hysteric issue that the modern war on Christmas has turned out to be. So let's talk about fighting about how we were supposed to celebrate the birth of Jesus. As far As far back as the Reformation, Santa Claus came under fire, particularly by Protestants, because St. Nicholas was a Catholic saint and Protestants very much wanted to ditch Catholicism and everything that pertains to it. So here we go on the religious origins of Santa Claus. St. Nicholas was born in what is now Turkey around the year 280 AD. According to legends about him, he lost both of his parents as a young man and used his inheritance to help the poor and the needy. This led to him being associated as a saint with generosity and gift giving. St. Nicholas is also famous for having been present at the Council of Nicaea, which was called by Constantine. The Council of Nicaea is where the early church bishops met and nailed down some of the absolute basics of what became Catholicism. So there was this one guy, Arius, who was adamant that Jesus is not equal to God, but Jesus holds a lower status as the son of God. So this is where Christians were hammering out what the heck is the Trinity. St. Nicholas was strongly of the opinion that Jesus is equal to God and an equal facet of the Trinity. He 
was on the side of what eventually became Trinitarian doctrine. St. Nicholas believed in his version of the Trinity so strongly that he punched Arius in the face (laughs) over what he was saying about Jesus. St. Nicholas got thrown in jail overnight, but the Council of Nicaea did eventually fall on St. Nicholas's side. I mean, like, that is very important for Christian doctrine, though. Yeah. And it's not like Nicholas was the only one saying it, but he was a piece of the puzzle that gave us the Trinity in church tradition. But he's still better known for the gifts than the punching. Yeah. I mean, just like Christmas, it's more known (laughs) for... uh, (laughs) I think that depends on your family. It... (laughs) St. Nicholas was was widely honored in Europe with traditions that are pretty similar to our Santa Claus tradition today, up until the Reformation. So how that tradition looked in the past, children would be given gifts on his feast day, which was December 6th, or on the evening before. In Holland, children would leave out their shoes and St. Nicholas would leave small gifts in them, which is probably the origin of Santa leaving presents in stockings now. Uh, He was very associated with gifts for kids, fun times for kids. Martin Luther hated all of this because he was really trying to get away from the whole Catholicism and saints thing. Um, Luther proposed that what we tell kids instead is that Jesus is going to come to your house and give gifts to kids. That didn't really catch on Mm. in most places in the world. I can't imagine that it would, especially if you were you believed in a like a literal rapture a literal return of jesus but it would have to be oh jesus is coming back but not like christmas yeah not with not with presents gifts and presents are the name of his two fists and he's got them for (laughs) satan (laughs) i wonder if that's still too catholic because saint nicholas is known for punching i don't know i mean that might be is saint nicholas actually jesus and he's gonna punch satan in the face no, because St. Nicholas is actually Satan, as we are about to explain. <laughs> no, it's just, it is just so wild to me that Martin Luther wanted to have Jesus coming to give children presents. It, I, Lutheranism doesn't bother me. Like, theologically, I am not aware of major theological issues that I have with Lutheranism. But Martin Luther, the guy, like, as a person, he had some wacky theological ideas. Seriously, though, he he wanted Jesus to bring presents to children. How would you feel if Jesus brought your friend an Xbox, but he only brought you new socks and underwear and a candy bar? This is like one of the problems of the naughty and nice. Like, it's theologically fraught. <laughs> I mean, if it's Santa doing it, then you can just be like, oh, it's the naughty and nice list. Your friend must have been better than you or something and like explain that away. Or it can just be like, I mean, also like, I feel like, Kids don't know that Santa isn't real, but like kids know that Santa isn't real. You know what I'm saying? Right. And now you're like, bringing a character into it that you expect them to believe is a hundred percent real. If Santa was real and he was like, he would like do everything with the naughty and nice. Like you could ask Santa, be like, "Hey Santa, will you pay down my mortgage?" <laughs> hey Santa, will you pay off my student loans? hey santa can i have a new bugatti whatever the most expensive car is and then i can sell that and pay off my mortgage santa will you please pay for my therapy for a year 
That'd be a great deal. No, but this is kind of one of the problems with the naughty and nice list. Um, yeah, and I know you're not a parent, but a lot of parents are are very much moving away from that kind of thing. The other thing that I've heard is that um, I from other fr- uh, friends of mine who have kids is that like they won't be like, oh, your big gift is coming from Santa. They'll be like, your small, your like regular, like small gift is mm-hmm. coming from Santa, which is like something that's like 20 or $30 or something you'll get from Santa. But if you get a big gift, it's from your parents. Right. That's another thing that, that people are doing that I really support. I think it's better for kids. So we're going to go take up the offering. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the links between Santa and Satanism. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. We are back from our break. We're talking War on Christmas. We're talking Santa Claus and Satan. Santa and Satan. So... Some modern churches and denominations and Christian groups still strongly opposed, oppose Santa. Some will say that it's because, uh, because Santa takes the attention away from Jesus on Christmas and we should be thinking about Jesus's gift, um, not gifts from Santa. But I think more commonly people oppose Santa because of presumed pagan origins or specious claims of Satanism. <laughs> And I I may need to come back and do an entire episode one day. But the the reasons for believing that Santa and Satan are the same on the surface, because Santa and Satan have the same five letters, just in a different order. And they both wear red. They both have helpers like demons or elves. They both have a list of naughty people to punish. Therefore, Santa is... Satan. While the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the devil is not subtle. He tells us everything that he's doing and he's very obvious about it so that for reasons, Satan reasons. (laughs) That is 
extreme like that that seems like that's a bit of a reach to me but you know what if you want to believe that santa is satan then i i don't know i mean like so i i do follow some like fundy facebook pages on my personal facebook account like you know the ones where it'll be like a page with the name like christ's lighthouse kjv or Jesus saves amen. Like it'll be like a Facebook page and they'll post like memes, but like the memes will be like reposts of like pictures of lions with a quote from like the Bible over, the- you know, yes, those pages. I do. I've seen ones where it will say like, be careful who you let into your home. And then we'll have Santa and the letters will be re- rearranged into Satan. And it will be about like Satan hiding in, in the Christmas choice that you get your children or, Whatever, or I've seen the ones where it's like saying that Barbie is satanic and that it's Santa is represented as Satan for bringing the toys into your house. I've only ever seen once or twice posts where they said that like Santa himself is satanic and not like the things that he's bringing are satanic. So I did a little more research and I found a website called a Bible Baptist Publications.org, which produces trifold tracts for a suggested donation of 10 cents a piece. And on one of these tracts is a poem. Would you like me to read this poem for you? Absolutely. But give me like two seconds first. Bible Baptist Publications.org. Yep. A, Bible, a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of Sharon, Tennessee. I actually don't know that church. I want to see who's the pastor. It must be small. It's fine. Read, read the, read the poem. It doesn't matter. This is supposed to be a light research episode. <laughs> You're trying to do your like fundy, like uh, 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 fundy geography. Yes, I'm trying to do fundy geography when this is supposed to be a lighter research day. <laughs> so this is the poem um, that you can get on a tract for a suggested donation of ten cents, uh, and it trifolds, which is cool. Um, So it says, Dear Santa, this year for Christmas, I just want the truth. Come clean, if you will. Stop deceiving our youth. Isn't it true that only Jesus knows when we've been good or bad, Santa, isn't it so? And all of that hype about presents for everyone, you know the greatest gift is God's beloved son. And Santa, are you really coming in the sky or will it be Jesus? in the twinkling of an eye and that home in the north of which you tell why it's really god's throne and your home is hell that's right santa you're satan in disguise folks could see it in your name if they'd open their eyes so come on santa let's have a real story just rip off your mask and give god the glory signed a child of jesus this poem was a little confusing. <laughs> it it encourages Santa to give God the glory, but also accuses him of being Satan, Satan in disguise. I think that the point that's being made here is that Satan is disguised as Santa. Satan is dis- is dis- disguised as Santa disguised as Jesus. Like Santa is yeah. trying to usurp Jesus, but it's actually Satan doing that. Yes. And if people could just see if if Satan would go or if he would go mask off and people would see that he is actually Satan, then 
God would get the glory back and people would start celebrating Christmas for Jesus and not for presents. Yes. Right. Um, doctrinally, I think that, do you think it's sound or not, or is it? There isn't doctrine in this. <laughs> I don't, I just assume doctrine is in everything. Uh, the one thing that I, that stands out to me is that every time I read an IFB poem, it's got the same meter. Do you, I, I, we read Jack Scopp's date, book, Dating with a Purpose, uh, the, the Dating with a Purpose poem. It was something like, if I was your parent, teen. Yes. I really think that's Jack Hiles related because he hmm. wrote a lot of poetry and it was all in a similar meter like that. So I really think that's what's going on. The other one that I was remembering was the one in Kent Hovind's doctoral dissertation that was the, like, two atheists are debating on university sod. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, good old doctorb Kent Hovind. I'm, I, I'm wondering, because, like, there is excellent Christian poetry out there, uh, but it just seems it's not, like... not this one? <laughs> no, and it just seems like it's almost like... They tend to do the thing where they're like, this is what a poem sounds like, but it's not really like the, the words that you're saying aren't really improved, aren't, aren't improved by the poetry format. Yes. Um, the IFB just like to suck the beauty and artistry out of everything they possibly can. By the way, while we were on break, um, I looked up that guy with the Santa is Satan tracts and the poem about Santa, take off your mask and let us all know the truth that you're really Satan. It took me a minute to find what I was looking for on the website, but uh, did find some information. Pastor James L. Melton is the pastor of this ministry. And I was looking to see where he went to Bible college. It turns out he didn't. I'm going to read straight from their website. Bro Melton's, Brother Melton's theological education began in the mid-1980s when he discovered the written works of Clarence Larkin, C.I. Schofield, and Peter S. Ruckman. Oh, no. Soon he was spending several hours per day reading books by numerous authors and listening to recorded Bible studies and sermons from able teachers and preachers of the Word of God. Most of this instruction came from independent premillennial Baptist preachers who held strong convictions regarding the authority of the King James Bible. So that's his that's his background. Um Peter Ruckman never went to Bible college uh but read a lot of Peter Ruckman. Yeah. So I like I looked to see cuz I thought oh this sounds like an HAC like a really old school HAC guy and nope it's, it was Ruckman. I mean I have to wonder cuz uh, it, it it seems like the web design cuz I visited this website the web design of this website is pretty atrocious pretty difficult to find your way around and i wonder if like ifb church websites have bad web design on purpose so that you can't find out information about them like if you're trying to do some sleuthing you're trying to uh see i think it's more because you know we're not like the world we don't need to behave like we're part of the world the website i'm still like flipping through this website um they sell king james bible t-shirts for fourteen dollars, we also sell King James Bible T-shirts, but they're more than fourteen dollars. So I think they're better T-shirts. I do too. Um, ours have a uh, bisexual pride theme, so that's cool. Um, yeah, these do not. 
so much. Sadly. Despite Luther's objections and current fundamentalist objections, traditions of a jolly saint who visits houses to bring gifts eventually did, combine with facets of Odin, possibly Scandinavian goddess Hell, as well as other European traditions like Père Noël, Father Christmas, Christmas Man, Santa Claus, into the modern Santa Claus that we have today and go to take our kids to the mall to see. And then cry if you're me. Uh, I mean, I Santa a, therapy should be a thing. I cried on mall Santa. I cried on a mall Santa this week. Whomst among us hasn't? He gave me a hug. It felt like my dad. I bawled in the middle of a mall. It was both healing and incredibly embarrassing. That should be a real therapy, though. You get somebody to dress up as Santa, and you sit on the lap and tell him all your problems, and then he hugs you and says it's okay. I, yeah. That... Sounds incredible. <laughs> Do gangbusters, man. No. But of course, the, the connections of Santa to Odin and Hell might also be further evidence for the satanic origins of Santa Claus. I don't know, folks. In conclusion, I think that we should be able to punch one person over theology every year on December 6th to honor St. Nicholas's feast day. <laughs> Do you, okay, do you, I mean, do you know the Bill Burr bit where he says that every NFL player should get to fight one whole fan every season? Yes. Yeah. Um, no, but speaking of sports, I do have, uh, I, that brings me to a question that I have about the war on Christmas. Okay. So I'm not a Christian and Christmas day is a, actually it is a day that I look forward to because there's always like wall to wall basketball games on and I can like order Chinese takeout. Um, and just like hang out and watch basketball. When you were growing up, did the IFB feel a certain way about people watching sports or movies or doing things that weren't directly church related on Christmas? Or did they see the prevalence of these activities as a way in which we were being distracted from the religious meaning of Christmas? In the IFB circles I grew up in, it depends on whether Christmas is on a Sunday or not. So I know there are definitely parts of the IFB where any non-religious Christmas festivities are looked down on. And there are parts of the IFB that see any, like even celebrating Christmas at all as either Catholic or pagan or both and just do not celebrate. I think Carissa Collins is one of those. She is not IFB, but she's really gotten into that line of thinking over the last few years. Nothing is immune from the IFB criticizing it because you could hear red and green decorations are sinful because they come from the Roman traditions for solstice. So in our church, we decorate for Christmas, but we only use white and gold decorations. There are, there are IFB all over the board on this one, but in the circles I grew up in, almost everybody I knew celebrated Christmas. Um, a lot of kids that I grew up with got visits from Santa Claus, um, which was pretty loose, pretty liberal for the IFB. Basketball games, Christmas movies, that sort of thing were the 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 perception was more see even the wicked sinful world is celebrating Christmas the best they can. Even the sinful world knows that something happened that's worth celebrating. And so you would watch him like Elf or Tim Allen's Santa Claus or Yep. Those were all totally fine. Well, you know, the kayak story relating to Tim Allen Santa Claus. 
I don't know the kayak story. What's the kayak story? So, you know, in, in the original, the first Santa Claus movie, Tim Allen's character is learning to be Santa. And at one house, he pulls a kayak out of the Santa bag and he leans it against the Christmas tree and the Christmas tree falls over. Yes. It's like a quick, quick gag in a montage. The first time my dad saw that movie, he laughed harder than I have ever seen a human being laugh in my entire life. He laughed so hard that he got down and rolled on the floor because he could not hold himself upright on the couch. He laughed and wheezed and coughed and turned funny colors for literally like 10 minutes. He had to pause, he like paused the movie and all of us just sat there and watched them laugh on the floor for so long, longer and harder than I have ever seen anyone laugh ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, That's it, it cute. It became legendary in our family because of the extremity of his reaction. So after that, did you like have a family tradition where you had to watch Tim Allen Santa Claus every year? Well, I grew up with my dad, where we had a lot of family tradition. <laughs> um, my dad was was very into doing things the same way every year at Christmas. So we had a whole Christmas movie schedule the night before. So on Christmas Eve, we watched The Polar Express. On the 23rd, we watched It's a Wonderful Life. On the 22nd, we watched this movie called The Christmas Shoes. I learned about the song Christmas Shoes. Which is not about the song Christmas Shoes. It's not that it's not that one. There's a different one and I can't remember Christmas Shoes. No, we looked it up. It's got Rob Lowe in it. No, not that one. There's a different one. That's it's old old. It's like from the nineteen forties. I wanna buy these it's not, shoes. <laughs> it's not Jimmy Stewart, but it's like a similar guy who's in it. And it's a movie about a guy who scams the mob out of a bunch of money at Christmas or something. It's cute. It's funny. It's like a very, very old movie, though. That sounds like a fun movie. I'd watch that. But anyway. I'd watch that movie. Um, we did usually watch The Santa Claus, but it wasn't a part of our mandatory movie rotation. I want to buy these shoes. I don't know. I feel like it would have to be after, you know, after your dad, like literally falling on the floor and laughing because of it. But that's just me. Um, so what, I mean, did you watch like Charlie Brown? Did you watch like Charlie Brown was in there? Yeah. Uh, we watched Charlie Brown Christmas, um, all sorts of stuff. And we were allowed to have secular Christmas music, but it did have to fit with the IFB Christmas music rule or the IFB music rules in general. So last Christmas or all I want for Christmas is you are not allowed because they have too much of a beat, but being Crosby singing, let it snow is fine. Oh, so you can have like the old school, like the, the Christmas classics, like from yeah. but Dean we, Martin. And- but we also had to change the words to a lot of the Christmas classics, which gets me every time. You know, in the song Holly Jolly Christmas, um, oh ho, the mistletoe hung where you can see somebody waits for you. You know this you know this one? Oh yeah, and this kiss her once for me. No, shake yeah. her hand for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then in Let It Snow, it's when we finally kiss goodnight, and we always had to say when we finally say goodnight. 
That's fun though. I'm 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 happy for you. I'm happy you got the So yeah. last last thing before we actually get to the war on Christmas. In more recent times, the term Xmas was a source of major controversy. Having looked into this a little bit, I really think the Xmas controversy was the precursor to the war on Christmas. So X has been used as an abbreviation for Christ since the days of the early church. It's because X is the Greek letter chi, which mimics the letters, like the beginning of the word Christ in Greek. X has been used as an abbreviation for Christ in English since 1100 AD or earlier. The term X-mass or Xmas has been used in different forms since the Middle Ages. The earliest uses of Xmas very literally were used in a liturgical sense to mean the Christmas Day mass that celebrates Jesus' birth. So Xmas is explicitly a Christian term. Yeah, if anything, I would think that having a literal picture of a cross in mm-hmm. the word would make it more Christian. Uh, yes, that is. that's why the Greek letter chi has been used to symbolize Christ, because it's similar to the first letters in Christ in Greek, but also it looks like a cross. Like It makes a lot of sense that this has been a Christian symbol as literally as long as there have been Christian symbols. So Xmas found popular casual usage in English as a simple abbreviation for Christmas, just a faster way to write it, in the 19th and 20th century. Some style guides and etiquette writers felt like it was too casual for formal usage. So it's not something you'd more likely see in a newspaper. You'd be more likely to see it in a letter between friends, like a, a casual letter where somebody is writing quickly. But in 1957, the newsletter News and Views, put out by the Church League of America, criticized the use of the use of Xmas and said that it was taking Christ out of Christmas. And this is where we get that phrase that is repeated everywhere. So the idea of that Xmas was taking Christ out of Christmas was picked up by influencer. Uh, I don't know how do I describe him. Wikipedia says American clergyman, politician, and organizer known for his populist and far-right demagoguery, Gerald Lyman Kenneth Smith. Um, I think I know where this is going. Yeah, you do. Uh, He immediately turned to anti-Semitism, so trigger warning for that. Uh, Gerald Lyman Kenneth Smith decided... (laughs) Tis the season. ...proclaimed that... (laughs) Sorry, you got me on that one. Gerald Lyman Kenneth Smith proclaimed that Santa Claus was made up by the Jews to take the focus off of Jesus during the holiday season. And also that the Jews had convinced the United Nations to outlaw the name of Christ, which I would point out is a claim with very, with absolutely zero evidence and also evidence to the contrary. This seems like a Facebook forward slash. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Watch me. Watch me do a felony. Christ. 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 United Nations, come get me. The issues with Xmas really took hold, and I was still hearing about this in church as a little kid, forty, forty-five years later. 
it, it isn't considered part of the modern war on Christmas. The Xmas controversy has pretty much fallen to the wayside, and Xmas has just fallen out of popular use. It's just not trendy right now. But I think this really influenced what was to come. I found this quote from Franklin Graham about Xmas. And I think this is really interesting. Graham said, for us as Christmas, for us as Christians, this is one of the most holy of the holidays, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And for people to take Christ out of Christmas, they're happy to say Merry Xmas. Let's just take Jesus out. And I, and really, I think a war against the name of Jesus Christ. War terminology did come up related to the Xmas controversy. I think it's really interesting how these things lead into each other. And that brings us to the war on Christmas, which we have now. Question um, before okay. I want to go to a quick break and then come back before we talk yeah. about that. Before we go to break, can I ask a question? So no one really says Xmas out loud, do they? I don't think so. People say Christmas. People like if I saw somebody like if if I was at somebody's house and they had X like Xmas list stuck on their fridge with like a mag like their kids had written like a Christmas list or something and they stuck it on their fridge with a magnet and it said Xmas list for Todd. I would look at that. I wouldn't say Xmas list. I would say Christmas list. I would say that's the that's Todd's Christmas yeah. list. It's just I a, don't know. I don't know that I've really seen people. Yeah, I have not heard a lot of people say it out loud. I I don't think I ever hear people outside of like Futurama. Yeah, or IFP preachers who are yelling about this. All right, so we're uh, we're going to go to break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the actual war on Christmas. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 
we are back from our break and we're going to talk about the modern war on Christmas as it began in the 1990s, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So for the, and I, I did a bit of research about this topic. For those of us that remember the early 2000s, uh, very clearly, you know, the patriotism, the nationalism, those were things that were in full swing following like 9-11 and, the Sept- and, and those terrorist attacks and, you know, the advent of the global war on terror. On Christmas Eve 2004, Bill O'Reilly, who was the host of the Fox News political talk show, The O'Reilly Factor, a uh, right-wing political pundit, devoted a segment of his show to declaring Christmas under siege. During the segment, O'Reilly bemoaned the secularization of society and the secularization of the holiday season. He used examples of Democrat voting cities removing Christian symbols from public holiday celebrations, including renaming Christmas tree lightings to holiday tree lightings, schools not using religious music at holiday concerts, and he bemoaned major department stores doing away with Merry Christmas greetings and instead choosing to use the non-religious Happy Holidays greeting. It is so wild to me that he did this on Christmas Eve. Well, you know, I mean, it it does feel very interesting because I think he knows his audience in that who are the people who are watching Bill O'Reilly on Christmas Eve? Who are the people that have Fox News Mm. on on Christmas Eve? Interesting. I like, I don't know, even, and I know people who are socially conservative or who are politically conservative and who are the type of people who maybe in 2004 they would have been watching fox news regularly and i can't imagine any of the people that i know actually having the tv on on christmas eve and having like fox news on on christmas eve that's like very much a time when i would expect people to be like oh we're hanging out with family now maybe if the tv's on we're watching a christmas movie Yeah, I think maybe the people who are watching on Christmas Eve are people who are alienated from their family for some reason. So I'm going to read a quote from the segment that he, uh, from his Christmas Under Siege segment that aired on Christmas Eve 2004. Um, So Bill O'Reilly said, now all of this anti-Christian stuff is absurd and may even be a bias situation, but the real reason it's happening has little to do with Christmas and everything to do with organized religion. Secular progressives realize that America as it is now will never approve of gay marriage, partial birth abortion, euthanasia, legalized drugs, income redistribution through taxation, and many other progressive visions because of religious opposition. He then warns that if this trend continues, the U.S. may become, dun-dun-dun, Canada. Oh, no. Yeah, like... it's, it's totally nuts. No, listen, listen to this. He says, Talking Points is convinced that the USA cannot defeat terrorism and any other evil without a strong traditional foundation that clearly defines right from wrong. The struggle today is not about Christmas, but about the spirit of our country. Okay, so this Christmas stuff is a disaster, but it's really just the beginning of... People trying to get us to 
approve of, quote, gay marriage, par- partial birth abortion, euthanasia, legalized drugs, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, all of those, not all of those things. I don't think euthanasia is particularly popular. This, but- it was a whole, it was a whole thing because the Terry Schiavo case coincided with. Oh, yeah. The with the- like, and, and that's not, it is a totally different issue from people wanting to make that choice for an incapacitated person over whom they have power of attorney. It has everything to do with people who are already dying, choosing their own health care. But it was very misinterpreted. And the Terry Schiavo case was a huge part of that. Anyway, the, but like all, most of these issues, I mean, let's see, the, the, like, cause he's saying the, the majority of America will never approve of gay marriage or, uh, but, you know, like legalized drugs, I mean, a lot of, uh, it depends on the drug, you know, I mean, most people, I feel like legalized marijuana, that's almost a bipartisan issue at this point. Um, incom- yeah. yeah. But like, he's like, they'll never do this unless they destroy. Unless they destroy Christmas. <laughs> right. First. And so Christmas is the battlefront, is like the, the front line of this war. But like 12 years later, because this was in 2004, one of the prominent talking points from Donald Trump's uh, 2016 presidential campaign was the secularization of society. He would frequently, he, w- he would do a bit because he was always like doing a bit at his rallies. Like he would have bits that he would do to, you know, that would get the reaction and he would do like, I mean, like, you know, like a stand-up comedian would, like they would have a, a bit that they were known for, but one of his was, we're going to start saying Merry Christmas again. And so that is like a through line to now yeah. where this is still an issue but nobody ever stopped saying merry christmas no like literally nobody did and and i i am gonna give some etiquette guidelines for merry christmas at the end of this episode but i i remember this being a huge topic of sermons and discussion just when this was coming to everybody's attention. I was right at that age where I was starting to pay more attention to things happening in the world. In my circles that I was in at the time, the specific thing about retail employees wishing you happy holidays rather than Merry Christmas was the crux of the whole thing. That was the the biggest focus. I do remember being told at church, if someone in a store says happy holidays to you, what you should do is say Merry Christmas back as loud as you can. When I did this, I remember doing this as a little kid. Oh, and no. the cashier, sorry. <laughs> the cashier would, would look kind of relieved and say Merry Christmas back. How I interpreted that at the time as a child was this cashier is a Christian who's being persecuted by their employers. The employer said if they say Merry Christmas, they'll be fired and they can only say Happy Holidays. So they're relieved because if I say it, then they're allowed to say it. With my perspective now, I wonder if the relief that I was seeing was a different source. I wonder if maybe the employees were relieved because me or my family didn't yell at them or didn't demand to go to their manager or make their day worse. I mean, I had the experience of being berated about this like in front of the person who was my boss. Like, I mean, the, like when I worked at Guitar Center, th- this was a like a common occurrence is that people would actually yell at you about this. Um, so sidebar, 
This is what I mean when I say that I grew up on the more compassionate side of the IFB. Like the teachings are still trash, but I would never have been told at church to be aggressive with a cashier or tell them they were part of the war on Christmas or call their manager over and yell at somebody. And plenty of people do that sort of thing. Plenty of people encourage that sort of thing. So that's why I will sometimes say that the IFB I grew up in was more compassionate than other parts of the IFB. Did you like, so there are IFB churches where they would say, if somebody wish says happy holidays, go and say that you need to speak to the manager and like tell them how. Oh yeah. Well, I think it depends on who's saying it because it could be one of these Christian fundamentalists or it could be Steven Anderson. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the, the one lady that I remember yelling at me the most, I knew that I wasn't going to say anything back to her because she was buying like a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I think she bought like a Taylor 314 CE or, you know, like an expensive, nice guitar. And I mean, Christians always buy Taylor guitars. I don't know why. My dad had a Taylor, so that tracks. <laughs> no, like, I don't know what it is. This is like a very nerdy guitar. Th- like, I, I don't know why Christians always buy Taylor guitars, but Christians always buy Taylor guitars. I don't know what it is about Taylor guitars that makes. Go get, my, go get the Ouija board. I'll ask my dad. <laughs> yeah, like if you're like if you're a Christian, or if you were a Christian, or if you ever played in a worship band, why do Christians like Taylor guitars so much? Somebody tell me. I don't know. I don't maybe, understand it. Maybe Ray can answer this question. Ray has a PRS. Okay, but he might be close enough to the issue. Like he likes guitars. He likes Jesus. Maybe he can help us figure it out. That's true. Yeah, hit me up, Ray. Let me know. If I'm being totally honest, though. I think that also a lot of the whole like happy holidays versus Merry Christian, uh, Merry Christmas, excuse me, f- it feels very urban rural divide coded. Like, because uh, like aside from when you were out soul winning and directly asking people about their religious beliefs, when was the first time that you can remember meeting people who were a religion that wasn't Christianity? Uh, that's it's a tricky question to answer because. Even when I wasn't out soul winning, I was out soul winning. Right. Like my parents took me to the McDonald's play place when I was a kid. So I'm seven or eight years old and I was at the top of the slide witnessing to other kids. Everybody that I met before age 20, I was out soul winning all the time. And I, but I did like out soul winning, I ran into a lot of Catholics and atheists, both of which are unacceptable to the IFB, but atheists are not a religion and Catholics are Christian. Like I didn't meet Jewish people or Buddhist people or Muslim people or Hindu people or anything like that. Oh, wait, I remember I met a guy who was a member of the Baha'i faith out soul winning when I was like eh, older teen, 16, 17, 18, but before I went to college. Interesting. How was, and and that's like, but like you're you're not gonna even like if you were out at the grocery store. I guess you you would be out at the grocery store and you would be soul winning to somebody, or you if you were out Christmas shopping, you would be out soul winning. Yeah, you'd or you'd be putting tracts under like when we used to go and put uh, tracts in the beer, like poke it through the holes in the side of a beer carton. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking like if you were out soul, like it's not likely that like just where you were living, you were in Iowa. Cahokia, Illinois, and like 
Alabama, like not places where there's a lot of Jews. Oh no. So um, no, I don't think I met an actual Jewish, like not Messianic person until I moved to Portland. But I don't believe I really met practicing members of any religion other than Christianity, especially if you exclude soul winning. But I also didn't meet anybody ever because my school was at church and my church was at church and my house was at church. So I didn't like meet people from the outside world ever until I got my first job when I was like my first summer job between semesters at Hiles Anderson when I was 19. No, it, I mean, it just seems to me like if you work at like TJ Maxx or something and you're at TJ Maxx in Chicago, you want to say happy holidays because, you know, you, you never know who you could meet. But if you're if you work at like TJ Maxx in the middle of nowhere, then you could say Merry Christmas because who is you who are you going to meet that's not Christian? Right. And the the other thing is that a, a large percentage of non-Christians celebrate Christmas in some way as a secular holiday. And wouldn't really care if you said Merry Christmas. It just, it wouldn't be offensive to them. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like it, it's when, when people get worked up about mm-hmm. a thing that they disagree with, but that doesn't affect them. It, it is completely made up because, yes, it is great to use inclusive language and say happy holidays. But, like, Christmas is my holiday, and if I wish you a Merry Christmas, like, Christmas is, is a holiday and I want you to have a nice one, I don't, I don't believe you're particularly bothered by that unless there's something you're not telling me. But just, like, Hanukkah is your holiday, and it's not a holiday that I celebrate, but if you wish me a happy Hanukkah because you would like for me to have a happy one, <laughs> that is non-offensive to me. Uh. There is literally nothing to be offended about the only like the only thing that's offensive is when christians want to do a christian nationalism and make christmas the only holiday that can be celebrated in the winter time just like andy dick did in hebrew hammer which was yeah or like want to take it further to proselytizing over christmas like those are the only things that are not cool like nobody cares if you tell them to have a merry christmas and they don't celebrate christmas so do you want to um, go and talk about the Starbucks cups? Yeah. So in more modern times, the Merry Christmas debate has gotten a lot quieter. Although I do still see clips of IFB preachers yelling about it every single year. Um, usually I would expect Greg Locke to come out with something, but I think he's a bit busy since he lost a debate about Flat Earth. He, wait, that? what? No. S- send me this. Sh- Greg Locke. So Greg Locke took on a flat earther in a debate. And the topic of the debate was, does the Bible support flat earth or round earth? Greg Locke is the round earth guy in this scenario. He took on a debate in which his position is better defended scripturally and defended scientifically. And he lost the debate in his own church, on his own home turf. Jesus Christ, what? He lost so badly that he threw a microphone at the other guy and had his security kick him out of the church. To a guy that he invited to debate him? Yes. Jesus. Yes. R.I.P. That's that's embarrassing. 
oh my god you cannot come back from that how do you, you how do you come back from you can't well we'll see if greg Locke kind of lays low for a while but while the merry christmas debate has has fallen out of being the big thing the war on Christmas has found no shortage of other small battles. One that made a big splash and that we still see going around every year is the Starbucks Christmas Cup hoopla. In 2015, the CEO of Starbucks announced that their special edition holiday cup would be less Christmas specific and more of a general holiday design. And the conservatives lost their minds. Um, I don't even I don't want to say religious people because this was not all religious people or all Christians. A certain subset of conservative Christians lost their minds. It was a popular topic on Fox News. Yeah. A conservative social media personality uh, encouraged others to go order a drink at Starbucks and give, when they ask for your name, say your name is Merry Christmas, with the idea being that you can force Starbucks employees to say Merry Christmas in this way. Um. <laughs> Seems like he kind of does not understand how a boycott works, but <laughs> good try, buddy. So they write Mary, like, I don't know. I, I don't think that's going to work because the Starbucks barista is going to misspell your name anyway, right? Because if, if you do, like, if you do this, you're probably going to end up with a coffee cup that reads like Mega <laughs> Smith. It's also great because that'll give the Christians the thing that they've wanted all along, you know, more than like a new television for 35% off from Walmart, more than more time with grandma during the holidays or like more than nine lords a leaping or the eight geese a laying. It, I think it would give them the greatest gift of all, which is to be able to go on social media and complain about how they're being oppressed. Uh... So oh, that man. was that was the the Starbucks controversy. More recently, we're seeing a lot of towns figure out how they want to handle nativity displays. Some people feel that nativity displays should not be allowed on government property at all or on public proper, public land. This is something that was argued twice in the in the Supreme Court in the 1980s, so in 1984 and in 1989. These two Supreme Court cases are actually very different. One was about whether a nativity display is acceptable at all, while the other one was about specific words on the nativity display that read, glory to God for the birth of Jesus Christ. The one that was just a nativity display was ruled constitutional and fine. The one with the wording on it was deemed unconstitutional. And this this kind of makes sense to me. I think a nativity display on public land is as fine as a wreath or a Christmas tree or Valentine's decorations or Halloween decorations because it is a part of the traditional decorations of the Christmas season. Um, I think as long as it is not exclusive of any other religion. But the wording definitely crosses the line because that can be interpreted as being exclusive of another religion. What does the Church of Satan have to say about this? Uh, they put up a decor. They put up something in like Oklahoma recently, did they not? I don't know. I didn't see this. I, I get sent a lot of these things and I don't look at them all. There was a new Church of Satan display in some state capitol building and a, a Christian senator from that 
wherever it was, I cannot remember what state it was, had an incredibly reasonable response and said, this is an exercise of freedom of religion. I don't like it. I think it's ugly. I understand that it's (laughs) offensive to a lot of my Christian constituents, but it is what it is. They're legally allowed to do it. And the statue itself holds no evil power. Um, We don't believe in that. Like if you're a Christian, we don't have to believe in that. Like this is fine. I don't know, man. I think Bob Larson would have something to say about the statue not having evil power. <laughs> yeah. The, so, um, no, I think if, it, if, it's not ex- if it's not exclusive of anybody else, it's not explicitly proselytizing, eh, whatever. What are you, do you have final thoughts about this? I do. Are you? Um, my first final thought is, please be nice to other people during the holiday season. <laughs> Especially retail employees. They're going through it right now. Oh, my gosh. We took Chuck to see... Did I tell you? We, we took Chuck to see Santa. And Santa's elves, who help children get checked in to see Santa and take photos and sell the photos to parents for extremely high prices, were understaffed. The, the young oh, no. girl working the photos could not have been more than 21 and i really feel like she may have been a high school student who was working on the weekend she was so young like set look appeared 17 18 and parents are yelling at her she told me that santa's workshop needs four people to run when it's a busy day and they had only scheduled three people and then somebody called out so this poor girl is doing three people's jobs she was crying between children coming to see santa it was it was so rough and at one point she's trying to take a kid's picture this lady comes and starts hanging over the side of the booth and yelling questions at her and i was like the second person in line to take chuck to see santa after this kid this lady starts yelling at her and i just started yelling the the answers back at the lady in like a very chipper customer service voice how'd she respond to that she gave me a real dirty look but she took my answers and walked away i swear some people just like they just like wake up and they're just like how do i feel like i have power over somebody else today yeah but i had seen this i don't know i don't know how old the worker was but she was really young and i had seen her just trying so hard to keep it together. And I had had enough and I was not going to let this lady yell at her. So the, the customer starts hanging over the rail and she's like, is this the registration line or not? We paid for extra for a reserved spot and blah, 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 blah. And I just, yes, this is the registration line. Yep. You just go around the other way. Yeah. The line is long today. Santa's a very busy guy. <laughs> I swear to God, man, that's, uh... <laughs> and I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of myself <laughs> I got the the girl who was working to smile, and hopefully that made her feel a little bit better. I would not want to go through that myself. I that sucks for her. That's yeah. I, I oh, hope, man. Uh, and, and I'm I wrote you know I got the the how was your visit thing and wrote in your workers are great, but please don't understaff at Christmas. That's a really crappy thing to do to your workers, dude. I swear, companies uh, like. I, when I worked at a grocery store before I worked at the Subaru dealership where we worked, I had a job at a grocery store and like people were like holiday weekends. People were mean as fuck just all the time. They're just mean as shit to you. 
And I'm just like, yeah. I like, and if you're like understaffed or whatever, if you need to run a register and you're, I'm like going as fast as, and, and like, they can tell that like, I'm stressed and like, they're under, like, they think I fucking own the company. Yeah. That like I'm the one who decides how many people are scheduled, and like I've had people just like yell shit at me, and I'm like, that's above my pay grade, dude. Yeah, like literally, don't ever do that. But please be extra nice, especially to retail workers, service industry workers around Christmas. If you can afford to throw some extra tip money at them, absolutely do. Um, it is a tough time of year for anybody in the service industry, and they're. If you're out having fun with your family and somebody is waiting your table or checking you out at the store or selling you that thing that you're buying for a Christmas present um, or providing a service like a haircut or a massage or whatever, then they are not with their family right now and they are not having leisure time right now. By all means, be as nice as you possibly can uh, during the holiday season. Be as nice as you can be. If somebody wishes you a happy whatever holiday and you don't celebrate that holiday, it's totally appropriate to respond and wish them the same thing that they wish to you. So if somebody says happy Hanukkah to you and you don't celebrate Hanukkah, you just say happy Hanukkah back. That's it. You can you can tack on both together. That's fine. Um it's really the the conservatives have overblown the idea that it's somehow offensive to say Merry Christmas because as I said earlier in the episode, 90% of American adults celebrate Christmas while only slightly over half celebrate it as a religious holiday. It's also fine and not offensive to recognize the other religious and non-religious holidays happening around the same time. And it's just fine to put them all together and wish somebody a happy holidays or a season's greetings. It's all fine. I personally, I have often thrown them both together. Like a lot of times I'll say Merry Christmas and happy holidays because that's, I'm wishing them a good holiday of the holiday that I celebrate, but also a good holiday of any other holidays that they might celebrate. Just be good for goodness sake. (laughs) Thank you for that sage advice, Sadie. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I guess Hanukkah is over by the time this is coming out. So I'm not going to say happy Hanukkah. Um, to everybody who listens, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you guys have a great holiday season. And we're not going to have an episode next week. But the week after that, we're going to... It's New Year's Eve. And we're going to have our Watch Night episode. Is Dinah coming on for that? Not sure. Okay, well... Them. We will ask Dinah, but we might have a guest on that. We might not. We don't know. It's going to be fun. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you guys uh, and see you guys next year. Bye-bye. Decided to change my way.